day and welcome to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. My name is Jarian Gibson with co-host Case Baggerman. How are you doing today, Case? Hey, Jaren. I'm fine. I'm fine. Thank you. How about yourself, man? Um, I want to throw this Windows machine out the window because my audio keeps having problems. <laughs> but otherwise, I'm doing good. Um, but let's not go into our audio issues that Jarian keeps having on our podcast. Let's introduce our guest today and like we did a while back where we turned it on you and myself we're gonna turn it on andrew morgan so how you doing andy i'm doing pretty good there buddy i'm doing pretty good let's actually talk about your audio issues let's talk about the last 20 minutes we've spent you <laughs> shouted like a gorilla on every single microphone device you had in your house no can, let's, can you let's tell not. us why this happened during because Jarian switched to Windows a while back, and ever since he's gone to Windows, his USB mics, I can't even say it now, his USB mics <laughs> make him sound like Barry White. So, I've got something yeah. to say to that. Well, there's your problem. What's a computer? Anyways, um, <laughs> enough of uh, going through Jarian's audio pains. Let's talk about our co-host guest today, Andy Morgan. So, Andy... You have been around the block. Um, you've gone from sysadmin to EUC architect, um, CTP, VMware EUC champion, um, and now you are an Octonaut, um, VMware EUC CTO office. So tell us about your journey. Oh, my journey. Um, okay, well, uh, let, well, let's start at the start. I am... Um, I didn't do particularly well in my final exams in school. I did very well in my preparation tests, and then I partied like crazy. And then when it came to the actual exams, I dive bombed them. So, um, like uh, like any you know kind of teenager slash adult coming out of school, and when faced with another or you know another year in school, or go off and do something, I decided ah, I'll give programming a try. So I ended up in um, a little kind of you know university style thing doing uh, programming for a year, and I hated it. Um, I didn't mind C plus plus so much. I didn't mind Visual Basic so much. But the the primary language of the of the course was COBOL, and if you've any experience in COBOL, you'll know that you'll need to write about an A4 page of language that makes absolutely no sense even though it's written like speaking English just to print something on the screen. Cobol did not didn't, and I did not agree and after the first year I just about scraped the pass but decided I wasn't going to do anything. Um, but during that year it was useful because uh, there used to be this guy who'd come in and out of the classroom every uh, every you know week or so he'd come in and he'd tinker with a computer he'd you know read a magazine for 20 minutes and then off he'd go again and um, I just happened to ask him one day, you know, what do you do? And he goes, well, I'm the sysadmin. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, somebody breaks the computer. I come in and fix it. And then I take a little break. And then I go and fix the other computer that somebody else has broken in the other room. Because if I do it too quickly, um, they'll just keep breaking them. So uh, at least by limiting the amount of computers that are available, they can't break them. So I said, okay, that's fair enough. I said, I, I like that job. I, I, I want that job. So after the first year, I, um, I, there was uh, this uh, course uh, near me. A, 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 a Microsoft certified professional was doing like an MCSE course. And it was half day, Monday to Thursday, and Friday was off. And what he did was he got you in before the, the school year, and he went through the curriculum for about a month. And then he basically built up the, the, the college's network with you. So built the domain, built built all the machines, DNS. These are back in the days when, you know, Windows clients were actually directly on the internet with actual public IP addresses. So it was a it was a different time, let's just say. But uh, it was it was a really good course because after the year I, I kinda I walked away with a, with an MCSA or MCSE, I can't remember which at the time. And um, I took a job in Dell Computers. Uh, so I worked in there for 
um, about three years. Started off on desktop and laptop support. Um, worked my way up into the server gold team and then kind of went off into sysadmin after that. Uh, Two things happened, though, when I was working in Dell. Uh, a, I saw Citrix, and B, I saw VMware. Um, and it, just for, for, for record, uh, I thought Citrix was, I, I, it wasn't excited about it. I didn't think it was going to take off, and VMware looked like a toy. So it's clear that Andrew and his youth had no idea what he was talking about. Uh, but anyway, long story short, I went into I went into kind of EUC. I loved the idea of uh, hosted shared desktops, the ability to have a server with a number of users on. You just manage them in one place, you know, you give them a stupid little device and then they connect in they work there and then they go away um, and that's kind of where I went with system and I you know I ended up doing that for a couple of years and landed a big project in the lease plan um, as a Citrix architect where I met James O'Regan and a couple of the other guys and we basically oh well uh, yeah we built up this uh, this Citrix desktop for multiple uh, multiple geos using Server 2003, ORES PowerFuse back then, uh, Microsoft App V version four, I think, and um, it, it, it you know that environment was such a challenge because you weren't just dealing with a pool of a thousand users; you were dealing with a, a pool of about four thousand users from about. 17 different countries so every possible regional language issue you can imagine occurred and in the the customer base was small in a sense the customers maybe would be you know ranging from about 50 users up to about 200 users but they were actual customers in the sense that yes they were all the same company but each or each little individual country company bought stuff that suited them. So they may all use the same application, but they all had the same application modified differently and in different versions. And then they had a suite of other applications they used. So it was really outsourcing for an internal outsourcing project for, for many, many regions. And then we upgraded up to 2008 or two and onwards. And yeah, that, that's kind of where I got into Citrix and got into, got into EUC and all that kind of stuff. And from there, I, you know, I did loads of other stuff, uh, but uh, I find myself most recently in VMware, and I've been talking incessantly. And now I feel like, now I know how it feels like to be a guest. <laughs> hey, but so I, that's how you landed up in in the EUC space. Obviously, um, Leafplan was a was a great place to uh, to learn a lot and 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 to uh, make those steps. Uh, but we all know that um, you're um, kind of a developer at heart. And I, I can remember um, um, talking to you uh, at one of our first-to-first face-to-face meetings, and you mentioned that you were a code monkey, chief chief coding monkey. Was was that the uh, the actual title that uh, that you introduced yourself with? Um, did that lease plan project get you into uh, development, or how how did that happen? So it's I mean obviously doing the programming in 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 college for the first year I I got a I got a taste for you know writing apps and software um and it never kind of left me like I, I knew Visual Basic and I liked it and I when PowerShell came out that I replaced that that, uh, that you know desire to automate or create tools with with PowerShell mostly but there was always a there was always a specific gap. Um, and this, this followed me in my consultant years as well. I mean, when when it came to delivering a project from uh, to a customer, the customer's asks were always satisfied about ninety percent by whatever technology you were putting in, be it you know Citrix or ORES or uh, well now Avanti or um, AppV. But they always had that ten percent. You know, this it would be nice if I could do this as well. And I kind of prided myself on being able to bridge that ten percent gap by writing a little app here, there, or everywhere to to do so. So you know, I, I'd say that you know, 
back in back in my system in days it was mostly batch or visual or, or vb scripting and you know powershell to go forward but then when, when i just couldn't bridge a gap that's when i broke out visual studio and wrote something does that make sense Oh, it totally does. I, I can see how that you know most of us will will think around with uh, with PowerShell or or uh, custom apps, uh, but having the ability to create your own apps is is obviously uh, a big advantage um, in in this space. So, um, tell us, what do you like most of about being being a developer or being able to to develop those applications or solutions? So it's. You always, I mean, particularly working in or being in the in the community programs, um, a vendor will tell you they want to do this or a vendor releases products that does that. And you kind of turn around to them and go, well, yeah, okay, it's good that you're doing that. But, you know, couldn't you have also done this extra bit and then it would have been so much more useful? And generally look, oh, yeah, yeah, we could have done that, but we didn't and we won't. So that 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 kind of level of, of product detail always frustrated me. Um, you know, you, you want to do something simple. You the, the product that you're handed can't do that simple thing. So yeah, I always kind of looks to branch out and, and find a way to do it in a different way, be it, you know, picking up the register keys and changing them slightly or, you know, doing something a little more advanced with an API. So it does give you a lot of flexibility. And when it comes to kind of consultant to consultant um uh, skill sets. Um, I found it's been very, very useful for me. I mean, even when it's somebody else's project and I get pulled in, if I can deliver that extra five, ten percent, it always let makes you. Um, it always leaves a really good um, impression with the customer, and uh, they'll generally put, call you back to do more stuff as well. So it, it's worked out quite well for me throughout the years. So let's kind of um, go into you know thin scale. So you know you had a huge hand in that. <clears throat> you wrote some tools that you know you know, thin kiosk and some other things out there. So, you know, how did thin scale get started? Um, okay. So during this one, my, time. Uh, this one time at Bandcamp, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so thin kiosk was a, I was between work for about a month. I'd left Lee's plan. I went out to a third party consultant realized that they were a band of idiots very, very quickly and handed in my notice within about three weeks, which left me in an unusual situation. Um, I either went back and uh, and said, hey, can I have my job back? Or tried to find something else to do. Um, trying to find something else to do at the time probably wasn't an option because I'd was i just uh, just gotten married and mortgage and everything else. So I went back to Leaspan and said, hey, can I have my job back, please? And uh, they gave me my job back, which was great. Uh, and lesson learned, guys, if you ever decide to hand in your notice anywhere, do not burn your bridges. Ever, particularly if you're in somewhere as small as Ireland, where the you know the, the market is so insidious that everybody knows everybody. But anyway, I found myself with this three-week gap between hey, Andy, employment. Yep. I, I bet you really like the guy who gave you the advice to uh, to quit your sysadmin architect role and and move into consultancy, didn't you? Yeah, that in particular gimp was uh, was, was <laughs> he had he had best intentions, but unfortunately, I didn't. Uh, uh, you look, you know yourself when you, when you take a job with somebody you you never know what the job is actually going to be like i mean if if you're dealing with a sales guy that sales guy will sell you the job to be whatever he, you know he thinks you want to hear but um you got to be very careful right and uh, it, I, I learned a lesson about doing my research about uh, about a company before i joined anyway for to the list just that's actually good advice and i, I remember uh, the last podcast we did with uh, ruben 
Um, you mentioned um, things along similar lines where uh, if you move on to a next job, then, you know, you're kind of, um, it's mandatory for you to do your own research as well. So uh, similar advice there. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, definitely listen to Ruben. He's far smarter than I am. Um, anyway, uh, so with the uh, with that three-month gap or with that three-week gap, I remember uh, one of the problems that I'd faced before was uh, I wanted to do flash redirection in Citrix environments because flash was, you know, very, very heavy. Even the smallest little video on a Flash website was generating a considerable amount of bandwidth down the ICA channel. So uh, they, they announced Flash redirection, and of course it came to Windows first. But then I kind of realized that there's no real good option here to convert a Windows device into a 10 client. So um, you had the desktop lock utility, and it was fine. It just wasn't very good. And it didn't do Flash redirection correctly. And I kind of said, well, look, there must be a better way to, to skin this cat. And that's kind of where Thinkios came from. So Rather than spending time with my wife for, for three weeks uh, full time, I, uh, I decided to go to my, my office and, and write a uh, thing kiosk. And in honesty, it was just one of those tools that I thought I'd put up onto the website and kind of set and forget. And then it absolutely exploded uh, with interest. Um, I, re I rewrote it about three times from feedback from the community. I, I had like 4,000 downloads in the first five months. Uh, it was, it was very, very, um, very, very popular. And to, to, to get to the end story, um, I bumped into, I presented at E2E, which I think it was the first time we met case. And um, Remco, of course, uh, Remco being Remco, the very, very clever guy, realized the potential that I was sitting on and said, we should probably do something with this. And um, I said, yeah, well, maybe. Uh, let's see. So uh, long story short, uh, my brother-in-law, who uh, who was uh, between jobs at the time, uh, also came to me with the same idea. And I said, okay, well, let's do it. So between myself, uh, Brandon and Remco, the, the company was born. And Tinscale is uh, is still going strong now. Um, Think he asked, you know, very quickly David Coombs came on board because uh, David was a, uh, he was actually testing Think he asked for a customer at the time. And he is a, David Coombs is a phenomenal developer. He's right up there at Remco. Like the, the guy can do anything he puts his mind to. Um, and between the, between the four of us, yeah, Think he asked was born on version four. And um, yeah, from there, it's just gone from strength to strength. We've, we've released other products. And, you know, I've taken a step back from that business, you know, about two years ago. The, the guys are running the company directly now without my engagement all that much um, but I believe there's up to 12 people employed down there now which is fantastic you know going from something that I developed in the in the in my back room uh, to to avoid uh, <laughs> other responsibilities to to actually employing people in the Irish market and, and giving people jobs it's great so while you're at you know um, thin kiosk you did develop you know a, a few tools there so which one are you most proud of and which one's like your favorite I'm going to be counterintuitive. Everybody thinks Think Kiosk was my favorite utility. Um, and uh, while there was a massive amount of effort, because I, mean, I don't think people realize how, how much of a, an uplift Think Kiosk 3 version 3, you know, you know, a client app to Think Kiosk version 4, which include a broker, a TCP socket, communication back and forth. And there was a massive, massive uplift in that. I mean, it took me months to do and so much learning around TCP, TCP sockets and maintaining connections and allowing devices to both send and receive data in, you know, in asynchronous patterns. It was, it was all a fascinating learning experience, but it also killed me. <laughs> um, my favorite utility I wrote over the years, uh, there's two of them, Caffeine for a Receiver and uh, Threadlocker, because both of them were so well received and they had such a neat, kind of clever little use case uh, that uh, that people just loved them. I mean, Caffeine today is the one that people still contact me over at least twice a week. 
and uh, caffeine for anybody who doesn't know it is the ability to to hold a citric session open um even when you're not looking at the screen so what it would do is it would uh you know intermittently send data to the session so that your screensaver never kicks in uh and that has a very very funny backstory to it but anyway that that answers that answers your question case or jerry no, no worries Actually, now, now um, i'm we, interested in that backstory yeah and, and no worries about mixing up uh you know a case and in, in jarring it, it's uh, pretty hard people look like twins so yeah uh, well look i, I make it i'm making all the guest faux pas nobody else has done that before so there you go anyway um so the backstory to to, to caffeine for receiver is this um i like to play video play video games intermittently i like to play video games more often uh in in periods if i'm really really bored and i'm not doing very much i'll play video games if i'm busy and i'm passionate about something i'm working on i probably won't i'll probably just spend my time in the evenings working on whatever i'm passionate and interesting in but anyway um it was about five or six years ago and i was it was a winter period and there wasn't a huge amount going on and it was snowing quite a lot so i was working from home considerably um and one thing i realized that while i was playing uh world of warcraft at the time uh, and i also had my citric session open to the employer i'm not going to tell you who because i don't want to get in trouble um i noticed that every 10 minutes or so my session would time out and then if somebody pinged me on instant messenger i would need to go over to my citric session unlock the session respond to them and then go back to my video game very very annoying very annoying so what I decided was uh, I was going to write an application to keep my session open so I don't have to keep putting my password back in again. And this obviously resonated quite a bit <laughs> with, uh, with home workers. Once I discovered there was an ICA client object, uh, I wrote it. And I could quite happily and easily sit there on my backside playing games. And if somebody was looking for me, my instant message presence was always online because my session never timed out. It was genius. <laughs> So the, the best ideas come from uh, from own like inconvenience, don't they? Absolutely. Uh, Helga put it right about lazy administrators being the best administrators because you know if there's something I don't want to do frequently, I'll automate it so I don't have to do it again. Which is uh, a very uh, um, you know good again, very good advice. So you know th that was uh, that was thin scale in a, in a nutshell. Um, we know that you've been uh, working with uh, with control up. Um, as 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 a developer as well, can you tell us about you know working with ControlUp and and doing the development work for them? So ControlUp, uh, my time in ControlUp was short, but that wasn't a a, a negative reflection on ControlUp. ControlUp were phenomenal to work with. The the guys are just so smart. I mean, between them, yeah, they're, they're, I don't want to start naming names, but I mean between Eugene and Neron and and Yanni and all of the team, they're just they're brilliant. And what I loved about ControlUp was I was consulting at the time, but I was kind of bored in a sense that it's a small market in Ireland, and you know m most of the projects are kind of small potatoes, and I found it boring and my day rate with CDP and MVP and all the rest was quite high, which certain Irish customers wouldn't always accept, um, particularly considering, you know, they're, they're very, very tight, tight, tight so-and-sos over here. Anyway, um, I, I found myself with a, with a couple of days free a week and ControlUp um, came to me about, about the role and I was like, absolutely. Loved my time there. The only, only reason I, um, I moved on was uh, because the offer came from VMware. Uh, but 
you know, w- with control up, we, I wrote the, um, the, the, the logon simulator for, for Citrix and for Horizon, um, the, the Netscaler, um, dashboard that, that eventually went into the product as a, as a web-based dash- dashboard when I handed it over. Uh, yeah, it, it was great. I went, I got to get over, you know, get over there and meet the guys, uh, in, in Israel. Consequently, if you've never been to Israel and you have an opportunity to go, it is one of the, it is the most beautiful country I've ever seen and I would go back in a heartbeat. The only problem is uh, I can't eat hummus anywhere else anymore because it all <laughs> crap. Yeah, so, so, sounds like yeah. Uh, you, you got the really good stuff and so you got spoiled. That's it, yeah. But uh, Control Up are really, really smart guys and they're going to carry on doing phenomenal things. It's, it, I, I felt really, really bad about leaving them, but uh, the offer was, was too strong. Uh, and, and honestly, I'd go back like a heartbeat. And I didn't burn my bridges, so you never know. Yeah, Control Up is a is a good team of a good team of people, and I always enjoy interacting with them and and meeting with them at, at events. They're always a, a good time to be around as well. Um, so you know, we, we mentioned earlier some of your your past achievements around the community, but uh, you know, being a Citrix CTP, Microsoft MVP, you know, VMware AUC champion, and you know, other community programs that I'm probably forgetting and leaving off. What made you uh, join the VMware EUC CTO office? So the community programs were great um, and all, but I mean, you guys know well there were community programs that we're all members of that were good sometimes and frustrated the hell out of you uh, other times. Um, And... uh, one of the things I will say about the, the community programs are they were very beneficial to everybody involved, but sometimes more beneficial to to one side than the other. I found. Um, anywho, that that was the community programs. I like I was sad to to leave some of them. Uh, other ones not so much after the first couple of months. Anyway, um, the the reason I joined uh, VMware uh, was simple. Uh, when you receive a phone call from Sean Bass uh, saying, "Hey, would you like to come and join my team? This is what we're working on." Uh, you take the conversation pretty seriously, right? So. Um, it was yeah, it was it was kind of late the year before last, and that phone call came in, and you know I've I've known Sean for a long time, like you guys from the community programs, and I mean, in honesty, there's nobody in the community who has quite the influence, the the knowledge, and the and the the um the respect that uh, uh that Sean carries, and when. When the offer came in, I was I was very interested. I mean, VMware was not a core focus of mine. I'd done a bit of work with app volumes, and I'd done Horizon and, and kind of small potato numbers, but never looked at it closely. And when I started to do my research, and I really looked deeply at, at Workspace ONE um, and how far it had come along from, from when I'd seen it uh, at first, uh, I realized that, you know, between all the strides that the VMware team were making and the potential that was in Workspace ONE, I, I really wanted to to see where they were going next. And not only that, I mean, I suppose from a morbid curiosity point, I started my own little kind of indie software company, but I wanted to see how a big how a big company did it, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, I mean, about this time last year, um, I I bit the bullet and I, I took the role, and for the last year, I've been working. Um, like crazy, and honestly, to uh, to get up to speed, to get in touch with everybody in the you know in the organization. I've been working through some ideas. I've been doing some work for for Sean's team directly. It's yeah, it's been it's been an absolute roller coaster, um, to tell you the truth. Uh, but it's I it's refreshing to work in the Octo team underneath Sean, 
um, because I honestly feel like the stupidest person in the room regularly. And that, 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 that's a really refreshing feeling after been consulting for the last 10 years around the technology that you're, that you're an expert in, going to a place where you don't know everything. You probably won't know everything for, for, the, for the foreseeable, but you have to be able to think on your feet and add value um, quickly has, has been a great challenge. Um, but you probably noticed that my social media presence has dipped dramatically due to this um, because if I'm, not, uh, if I'm not working, I'm thinking about what I'm going to be working on. So that's, that's not because you picked up uh, uh, playing World of Warcraft again? Uh, no, no, shut up, Case. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> no, it's been it's been a roller coaster, but it's um it's been a it's it's been a fantastic time. And it, it, to anybody out there who's thinking about taking themselves out of their comfort zone, if you're in the right place and the right time, and you have the the, the ability to do so, I definitely recommend it. So that game gave you good advice in the end. Yeah, I suppose so, Case. You're still a... Yeah, I'm not going to say it. Although we can swear on our podcast, you're still a dick. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> yeah, I know you love me. So, um, you know, you being an insider now with, in the, in the um, octo of, of VMware EUC, what are your thoughts about VMware's EUC vision and, and, and power to execute in the, in the near future? Oh, I think it's fantastic. I mean... Um, I think Horizon's going for has gone from strength to strength and it's carried on being developed. But I think the real, the real interesting and, and the real kind of momentum right now is around Workspace One. Um, I mean, Workspace One is absolutely killing it in the market at the moment. It's this this concept of basically unified authentication, you know, uh, application delivery, uh, you know, the, the the device management piece from AirWatch and how tightly those uh, those pieces integrate and you know the integration with Horizon. It's just Workspace One is is what. I joined VMware for um, the promise that it had back then and, and what it's delivered in the meantime. Um, there, there are some more announcements coming out in May that, that will further that story and kind of take it from what it's doing now to, 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 to further integrations and, and making it so much smarter. But I can't really talk about too much of that at the moment. Um, it's, uh, it, it, it works, yeah, Workspace One's vision is, is what gets me excited every time I think about it. Hey, Andy, just listening into like the uh, last four or five sentences of, of what you were saying, I heard you say integration maybe five or six times. Is that okay. what is is that what's missing in the current EUC space, or you know, is that you know the, the, just the strength of Workspace One, and are you extending uh, the feature set of Workspace One into, into that um, field? So I'm not going to comment on that directly. Um, uh, Jarian, uh, stop case from being mean. Um, anyway, uh, no, the, 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 I'm enjoying the show. I want to get popcorn. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not. Look, you know, I can't. Um, but uh, I suppose if you were to look at the space or EC space. Uh, EUC landscape today, you would see a whole lot of vendors all doing their own little independent thing. And while they're doing their best to bring it all together in cloud, I think further and deeper integrations can be made um, between these vendors to potentially bring data together or display it in, in certain ways or it makes you know clever decisions on that data. Um, and that's what needs to happen. I mean, cloud is, has exploded, you know, uh, Unified endpoint management has exploded. Um, there, like, there are so many different vendors all doing so many clever things, and no vendor can be brilliant at everything. 
No vendor can focus on every single market at once. But what a vendor can do is they can be, become brilliant at one thing and potentially look out to the other vendors who are brilliant at other things and how they integrate. And that is where the, the customer's value is at. The customer buys into a, a vision of how an AUC technology and roadmap works, uh, knowing that the other vendors that they may choose to partner with will integrate with that same solution. Does that make sense? It, it, it does make sense. And would you say not only a vision, but buy into a solution and not just products? Correct. Dan, that's fundamentally it. There's absolutely no point in buying point solution A for, for, for one use case and point solution B for another use case and having no way to draw them together. What, what an architect will have to do for any customer is go out and look, look at those integrations um, from, from a sidestep. I mean, even, even simple things like requirements and, and, and requirement gathering. The, the, the more vendors can do to, to partner up on the, on the, or, you know, and make those decisions easier for customers, the easier it gets. And, you know, they may be massive integrations like with Microsoft. I mean, every customer is, is looking very closely at Azure right now for obvious reasons. Every, every company loves Microsoft because, well, maybe love is a bit strong, but every customer tolerates Microsoft because they've tolerated them for so, so long. Um, they moved to Office 365 successfully, and now they're looking at what else they can do. Um, so that, those kind of integration points are very important from a customer. And whatever solutions that they may want to tie in, well, they need to make sure that Azure integration is going to be part of the roadmap for the customer too. Does that make sense? As, as an example of how integration is important to customers and having options to integrate with whatever solution they decide to go with for something else is important. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And like, like I said, I like how you talked about, you know, buying into the vision, making sure it's a solution. And like, like Case was getting at earlier, how you mentioned integration several times because there are some companies out there on the market or in the space that don't, they're playing catch up or they don't, they aren't there yet or they don't have that 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 you know they don't have that today so it's, it's, it's refreshing for you for, for to hear that from you i can't talk i'm getting tongue-tied um it's refreshing to hear that from you and you know and that that probably speaks to to vmware's vision as well and to kind of seeing what what vmware has done in the euc space in the past couple of years and what they'll continue to do going forward um but you know absolutely absolutely i i'd echo that too i mean uh, i i uh, no specifics can really be spoken about right now because um sitting in the octo you tend to know exactly what's going to happen and where or what might happen so you have, i've got to be very careful about what they say but i suppose um cross-platform integration and kind of intelligence based off that is is, is where i would where i'd see what you know what what needs to happen next welcome to the vendor side andy Yes, it's it's tough being a vendor. Oh well, I feel like I'm the I'm the odd man out here on this call because we have two guys at vendors and there's me who's kind of out here and consulting limbo. So anyway, you're odd regardless of of your employer. Yes, I am odd, and I embrace that. So moving on, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's go back to some of your your programming stuff and some of the tools you've done over the years. So, will you continue to work on those tools and release um, you know updates or new, new tools on your site? I absolutely will. So um, I'm glad you brought that up. My blog has been a graveyard for the last year and a half. And um, I, a lot of my work in, in the Octo at the moment has been around prototyping. So there are a number of prototypes that have been recepted and accepted as, as features and they will come in time. Uh, there are other prototypes that may, were not accepted, but they still have potential to stand on their own. So I have a Visual Studio folder full of failures um, that may not have been adopted from a, from a product point of view, but absolutely I am going to be releasing 
um, and they will be coming in the next couple of weeks. There's there's a couple of PowerShell things coming first, and then from that point onwards, to our actual product. Um, so you can't I, call it a failure, if is it? You you should call it an attempt, first attempt. Oh no, no, no! I, I am I'm totally okay with failure. Everybody should be okay with failure. The important thing with failure is you need to fail fast. If something, if you tried and it didn't work, and you and you're satisfied, you 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 know attacked it in 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 every facet that you're that you wanted to attack it, and you still haven't achieved it yourself. Well, that's fine. You learn something. Fail fast. Do something else. So I'm happy to I'm happy to label a lot of the work that I did as failures because. I learned from it, you know. So anyway, um, yes, you will see a lot more tools coming out in the next kind of quarter to quarter and a half, quarter and a half on my blog um, for, you know, VMware-specific ones. And I will be looping back and updating some of the um, the tools that may be for other technologies. And that's at, because people are just pestering me about caffeine consistently. I also add one more thing to failure. Um, you know, I do agree, embrace failure, fail fast, but also learn from that failure and move forward. Um, but uh, moving on to the next question to keep things rolling, let's talk about frontline chatter. Um, you know, Case and I have kind of been, you know, I know we've been busy going into the, the Octo stuff with VMware and stuff, and, and Case and I have kind of been, been you know, keeping the, the, the train rolling. Um, you're coming back into it. So what are your thoughts on what's next? And, and welcome back, Andy, by the way. Thank you. Um, in honesty, it, I'm I'm so lucky to have had um, Case and you guys, uh, you know, rock forward with with the podcast that uh, that we've done in the meantime. I mean, the there have been some some conflicting, um, like for example, I mean, there's always going to be a uh, conflict of interest uh, when I there may be a vendor come on that's a direct competitor of VMware, and I, I don't think I'm going to be. I don't think it's a case that I wouldn't conduct myself in a in a manner that would be that would be appropriate. It's more to give the vendor or whoever's coming on the the, the comfort and knowledge that I'm not sitting there with my VMware hat on. So case has been great in that way to to come on and help and with potentially you know minor conflicts of interest where it it just makes more sense for me not to be there. Um, I've still been cutting the audio in the background, so I haven't taken the finger off the pulse. But I think we'd all agree that we're 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 ramping up for a lot more releases in the coming months. So uh, we've got a we've got a laundry list of new guests coming up. So I mean it's going to be all bis- or, you know all guns blazing from from this point onwards. Um, with any luck and it's great to have another uh, co-presenter because you know it, it just allows for more scheduling so you know i'm 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 grateful to to jaren and case to for being able to handle those calls that i may not have been able to and and to pick up the slack where I, i've just been too busy but i it's definitely not a case where frontline chatter is going away because i think i speak for everybody when i say that we we enjoy doing this and whether we have one listener or 400 listeners so long as we enjoyed ourselves who cares yeah, I, I I agree, and I echo that. I you know I really enjoy you know doing frontline chat with, with with you guys. It's it's been great that you know when we when we started getting you know picking up steam, Andy, we, we brought Case on, and we brought Thomas on as well, and it's it's been good to to be able to work more w- with Case. And I'm liking that you know you're coming you know like you said you've been in the background doing stuff. But I like how you're coming back into the fold of the audio side as well, and it does make perfect sense because. You know, with you working at VMware and with Case working at Nutanix, there's going to be times that one of you guys is going to have a conflict um, or there'll be times where I'm unavailable. So it, it's good that we have this team dynamic and that, um, you know, we're, either any of us are able to step in and, and take care of, of having our, our guests come on and, and talking with them. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and honestly, I must, we must get Thomas back. Um, 
that that's my own failing. <clears throat> I just haven't asked him. So, um, and he was always a he was always a a great uh, co presenter too. Um, yeah, and he uh, just moved on to an excellent employer. So that's uh, that's a good thing to do. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Since we're both, <laughs> since we're both now in the magic quadrant case, I suppose we are competitors. But I'll I'll let it slide today. <laughs> uh, oh, congratulations on that quadrant, by the way. Uh, I think. It was, yeah, it was um, um, like I, I mentioned on on Twitter. Um, you know, it's it's all because of our customers and our partners. Um, obviously, we've got a great product. We've got a, bu- a great bunch of people working on it, and there's a, a lot of vision behind it. But um, you don't get the the spot in the magic quadrant um, without customers and partners being so supportive to what we do. So, um, um, you know, uh, big 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 shout out to uh, to to them for uh, for being so supportive. But you know, let's put that magic quadrant uh, just just uh, aside for just a few seconds and talk about you on a personal note, Andy. Uh, as you know, uh, we typically close off this um, uh, this podcast if we interview people with the questions uh, around you know away from your day job in the EUC space development, uh, what market or technology are you, uh, are you keenly watching now and, and um, what excites you, excite you about that specific market? Uh, um, so it, it waxes and wanes on, uh, in regards to whatever I'm interested in at the time or whatever I'm trying to do. I mean, um, anything Elon Musk has always fascinated me because I, I, the, the guy is just a genius. I mean, between Sp- SpaceX's a- achievements in the last couple of weeks, uh, the boring company releasing a flamethrower to to Tesla, who I'm patiently waiting for in in Ireland to to even his um his kind of you know his roof tiles, his new kind of uh, uh, thermal roof tiles. The the guy can do no wrong. So I I thoroughly enjoy keeping an eye on him um, as a as a single focus because he's just. He's just he's crazy smart, right? Um, another flamethrower. Uh, uh, I did I did think about it. I'll be brutally honest. I did think about it, but um, having a flamethrower lying around the house with two boys who are under seven may not be a good idea. Um, so that kind of ruled hot that one out. <laughs> one word: hot dogs. Hot dogs, yeah, absolutely, or hot kids. Anyway. Um, the other one uh, that's quite quite close to me at the moment is home automation. I, I I've always kind of loved the the idea of smart things. I I was uh I was very very interested in um, uh, Jibo when it was first announced. Uh, the the idea of a smart robot. Now I think Jibo failed to deliver on ninety percent of what they were trying to do originally, but the, the concept was good, and I think that kind of opened the door to to home automation and kind of smart uh, assistance. I'm in the middle of renovating at the moment, so um, I've extended my house and basically knocked down every wall in the house and relayed it all out again and the builders are um the builders are uh you know they're, they're still work in progress we're two months in we probably have another month and a half to go and i've been looking at the home automation and kind of smart home market for the last six months and i can honestly tell you if you're not american it's a pain in the backside i mean uh, the amount of time i have lost on the little details in, in this regard, I mean, I spent eight hours at one point 
researching the differences between LEDs and how bulbs dim and the different ranges and methods in which dim or bulbs dim. And then I wanted to potentially open up and find a, a, a dimmable bulb or a dimmable light switch that can integrate with your smart home technology. And then, of course, now you're looking at different protocols, be it, be it Zigbee, be it Z-Wave, be it, be it a, you know, a locked-in standard like Philips Hue or something like that. And you want to try to keep your options open. And then the further down each of these simple rabbit holes you go, the more you realize that there are pitfalls absolutely everywhere. Um, being, being in the European market or the Irish, the Irish market, it's, it's, it's challenging because um, vendor, it's very easy for vendors to make things for the American market. So you guys have got a single plug type. You know, when it comes to Europe, there are so many different plug types that everything always comes to us last. Um, so home automation has been has been a passion, and I'm I'd be hest to tell you how many Cat six cables I'm after dropping into my house, um, and uh, the, the the number of of different devices I've purchased. Uh, but at the moment, I can honestly say uh, I regret <laughs> entering into this <laughs> entering into this market uh, for myself rather than just enjoying it from afar because it's literally death by a thousand paper cuts. Um, that's the only way I can describe it. You you go to make a single decision, and the knock-on ramifications of that end up haunting you for for the foreseeable uh, months and weeks as you wait for them to arrive. At least you have the benefit of speaking, you know, some some language that looks like English or sounds like English. Yeah. Yes and no. Yes and no. Um, uh, I, I could, I'd argue that my English isn't always as perceivable as other people's <laughs> English. But it's, uh, it, it's been, it's been, it has been a fun, fun project um, so far. But um, at the moment, it will, uh, it will carry on to to be a fun project, I suppose, until I actually have to plug everything in and test that it works. Yeah, I, as you're speaking, um, talking about this, I'm sitting nodding my head. I haven't gotten, I haven't gone down the home automation rabbit hole. But just from the fact that you're you're doing the construction and you're going through some of the pains you're going through with, you know, looking at different options and testing things out and all that kind of stuff, you, you know, a lot of that stuff I can relate to when I was building shed quarters. Um, like I said, I didn't go the automation route, but just going through, like I had some power issues, some outlet things, you know, those type of things, and it's wasting money and going through and that kind of stuff, you know, grant, you know, taking for granted that we do have more options over here than what you guys have, but just going through that process and all that time it takes and, you know, the frustration at times. So I, I can definitely relate to some things you were saying. Fun little tidbit. Okay. So I like nest things. I like things that nest makes nest makes really nice fire alarms. I'm not, I'm not mad on their, on their cameras cause they're wifi and they're not powering it over ethernet, but that, that's another rabbit hole I spent we are days on. Um, but the thing about nest or it's so building standards over in Ireland are changing and shifting dramatically. So I figured, okay, well I want to get smart smoke alarms and CO2 alarms. And I want those in rooms that there's actually likely to be a fire. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to know if there is a fire or a CO2 alarm, because, you know, there's no use to fire alarm ringing and there's nobody in the house, right? So I decided, right, let's go to Nest. Let's buy some smart smoke alarms. And you get the wired ones, obviously, because you don't want to be changing batteries constantly. But then you go to buy them and you realize that, sure, okay, Nest will sell you five in a bundle of the battery ones. But if you want the wired ones, you got to pay the full price for five of them. I'm like, okay. That hurt. Carry on. So you buy four of them. You think that's what you're going to need. And then your builder comes, turns around to you and says, no, actually, you need one in every single room that has a radiator or electronic device. And you go, okay, so those Nest devices were 120 euro each. I now need 11 of them, you're telling me? 
oh, maybe I'll buy the battery ones now because they're cheaper. No, no, no. Irish building regulation stipulates that if you have a battery-based smoke alarm, you need to have two of them for a redundancy with a 10-year battery. So now all of a sudden, you're staring at the barrel of a guts of about two and a half, two grand for, for smoke alarms. And you're wondering why you didn't just buy the cheap ones in the first place. So death by a thousand paper cuts is the only way I can describe this entire process. And between having not living in your own home, living in your parents' home, trying to budget for all of this and trying to keep on top of the market, it's just death by a thousand paper cuts. Yeah, that sounds like a, a, a fun party there. A fun time <laughs> to find out, you know, based on battery, the cost of battery versus wired and having to spend the extra money if it's batteried. Um, but if you want good POE cameras, I can recommend Ubiquity Networks. That's what I use. Um, and they're all POE based and they work great. Um, that is what I'm planning on purchasing, but I'm just making sure that I have budget left for them after I bought all my smoke alarms. So they just, oh, never mind. I won't mention that because you're not in the U.S. They do have a beta one that's cheaper and that's nice, um, and it's out there, outdoor rated. So if you're any outdoor ones, they have two new ones that just came out. One's publicly available, one's in beta, but they're outdoor rated. Are, they sponsor, are, are these guys sponsoring our, uh, our, our podcast? Nope, and that's all I'm going to say. Andy can go do with resource <laughs> so we can take us offline. Anyways, let's close things down. So before I start going into my rambling on that, um, so thank you, Andy, for coming on and letting us turn the mic on you. Um, congratulations on your role at, at VMware and um, hopefully for continued success. Um, lo looking forward to see more of what comes out on the EUC space side from VMware, um, especially with, with you in, in the mix uh, in there as well um, with your experience. Um, and I'd like to thank our sponsors because without them, this wouldn't be as possible as it is. So thank you to FS Logics and Liquidware. Um, and for myself and Case Baggerman and Andrew Morgan, thank you for listening to the Frontline Chatter podcast, and we'll talk to you later. We are recording. Did you guys see the recording thing on there? Yes. Yes. How do I sound? Like Jerrion. Like Jerrion. I don't sound like Barry, right? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, let's go. Three, two, one.